Truth what happens is, as children grow up, we start to educate them progressively from the waist up. And then we focus on their heads, and slightly to one side. I think of the old days, you were better off. Because nowadays, they're all specialists. Everyone's becoming better and better. And less and less. And eventually, someone's going to be superb. Like nothing. Our education systems have mined our minds in the way that we strip mined the earth for a particular commodity. And for the future, it won't serve us. We have to rethink the fundamental principles on which we're educating our children. We're not here to tell everybody that they're wrong and we're right. We're not saying that we have all the answers, but um, we'd like to present a different way of looking at it. Hello, listeners, and welcome to China Dedication. Episode 41. My name is Taylor Williams, and I am a coordinator of digital learning, as well as an instructional designer and instructor for Teach Now Graduate School of Education. I am coming to you from Fort Worth, Texas. Texas, wonderful uh, to have another uh, American educational expert on. Welcome to the China Education Show, Taylor. I want to kick off uh, by t- telling the listeners, as you've just said, that not only are you a teacher, uh, but you, you, you have fantastic experience um, in the online education realm and, of course, have been working with the Teach Now program for many years. Uh, so we're going to really delve into that. I think you've been a, model, a module instructor for every one of the modules. So you've got a fantastic load of, of um, knowledge to share with us today, especially those listening who are maybe thinking of doing the Teach Now program or who are indeed on it. Um, but even so, just for other teachers too, I think we're going to learn a lot of stuff today. So welcome, welcome. Uh, right. Thank what you. we want to begin with first is uh, you're from Fort Worth, Texas. Is that where you're from? Did you grow up there? Uh, no, I grew up in uh, Denver, Colorado. And uh, and was in was th- through high school was in Colorado, uh, and then left and actually moved to, came to Texas for my uh, undergrad, and went to mm-hmm. Baylor University, and then came, went back to Colorado after college, and that's where I met my wife. And uh, shortly after we got married, we moved and we lived in Hong Kong for about mm-hmm. six years. So yes, which we will get to a little later, and and you're also yeah. in the club of um, of mad and stupid like myself. You have three children and another <laughs> one on the way, I do believe, Taylor. That's that's right. Our fourth is on the way. That'll put us at uh, three girls and a boy. The youngest coming in April is a another little girl. So we are very excited, very blessed <laughs> yes. uh, to to have that. I tell people God gave me long arms for many children. So that's where that's where we're at. We're excited for that. And I'm up very early in the morning just because that's my only time that I can hide away from all of the little monsters, which is excellent. Yeah, well, we appreciate it. One other thing I have to say with the fourth um, coming along and, and, and major congratulations to you and, and your family is that you're going to be about million, two million dollars in debt as well. <laughs> Yeah, which, uh, yep, well, you, know, you know, it is it is what it is. And we're to, we'll figure that out when we get there. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's only money, as they say. And of course, you know, as they grow up, um, you know, the rate of return is uh, <laughs> return on investment right, to go up right. somewhat. Although right. I haven't quite seen it when I look at other families. But anyway, marvelous stuff. And uh, that's that's really great news. Always wonderful to to hear of another uh, Bambino coming into the world. So Denver, uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, sounds 
wonderful place uh, up in the mountains if um if i'm right i've never never actually been there yet what was school like taylor do you enjoy school um yeah fond memories yeah i think uh yeah all through through school uh i had a great mem- great high school uh middle school high school experience i went to a smaller uh public high school it was a actually combined middle school high school mm-hmm. um so 6th through 12th grade was in the building uh, but it was, and it was rare. It was the only one public high school that was like that in the area. Um, and, but had a great experience, was able to do well in school. You know, if I, from my position now, looking back, it's kind of, I understood the game of school. And uh, mm-hmm. so I was able to just, I was, I wasn't the, you know, the valedictorian by any means, <laughs> but I didn't really struggle that much. Uh, enjoyed athletics, uh, was able to be successful in uh, going to, you know, state tournaments in tennis, won a state championship in basketball, um, was able to do student council. So I did choir and band. I was just kind of like that renaissance kid. I just yeah. kind of did everything. Wasn't focused on one thing, but just kind of spread myself over everything that I that the schedule would allow. And so I uh, really enjoyed it. It, uh, it allowed for me to just kind of come out of, of high school with just a good balance of experiences to then uh, that I've looking back have seen uh, very valuable in in my uh, college and then uh, in my careers that I've had. It's been very valuable just to be able to have all those different areas of, of interest. Mm. Yeah, indeed. And uh, well, school, that's exactly how school should be. I just wish everyone uh, could would have the same experience, right. of course. But the doors are there, or for a lot of us are there, and um, it's for us to uh, to turn the handle and walk through them. Especially when we get to uh, to university or college. What did you study, by the way, when you went to college, or we'd say university in England? Yeah, and in in, uh, in, in university, I uh, was majoring. My my undergrad is a bachelor of science in education, but actually, my mm. degree is in recreation and sports ministry. Uh, and so I was, it was a lot of leadership. It was a lot of outdoor education, uh, with the intent of when I graduated, uh, going and working as, uh, my initial and my initial career, when I got out of, of the, uh, university was to work in youth ministry. And I was working at a church, uh, when I moved back to Colorado, that was my first, my first job there. And so I was able to bring all the outdoor education stuff but then music and i am i was at the time i took one i think um class on uh you know different sorts of design so i was doing a lot of that with the church and creating publications and things like that uh and so it lended itself it again lends itself well to to everything that was happening and it was a good easy to transition into teaching as well mm-hmm. once uh, i had that experience from university and into uh into my first job there Speaking of uh, schools, any teacher out there that you would classify as someone of inspiration that you look back to uh, putting you on your path of success, either elementary yeah. or middle school or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. I had I remember my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Blumenthal. Um, he was excellent, and he I actually had him. He, he teaching was I think a, a second or third career because he was an older teacher, but he was a first time teacher when I had him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the first thing, big dude, 6'2", and just muscled out, former military <laughs> guy. And I remember him, we were in a temporary building, uh, which was not in the school building, but outside. Um, in the U.S., we have 
you know, if if the school outgrows the population, then they add these buildings that are called temporary buildings. It's a modular building uh, um, that's a, almost a single classroom with uh, two small bathrooms and a storage closet just mm-hmm. to be able to add more kids. So we had that. And I remember the door flying open the first day and we're all lined up there, little fifth graders. And he just has his yardstick in his hand and he says, you're here, come in. And <laughs> from there, it was just kind of this intense journey where he made us yeah, he really he it wasn't a, a discipline in the sense of fear, but it was a discipline mm-hmm. in the sense of of that respect and kind of bringing that military piece in. So and instead of just walking in line, it was we marched. He taught us how to march. He had the cadence, uh, everything like that. Uh, and just it was and he but he also once we once he kind of brought us into that uh, level of respect and discipline, then he started to have fun with it. And mm-hmm. I have a vivid memory of him. I had, we were working on a test or a quiz or something very, we were all very quiet and I looked up and we kind of locked eyes and he winked at me and he had, like I said, his first day, his yardstick was kind of his, uh, his tool of choice and he had a whole tube of yardsticks. And so he pulled one out and he held up his hand to his lips just to tell me just to be quiet. And I just kind of watched him to see what was happening. And there was a desk at the front of the classroom that was empty. And he kind of just strolled around like he was looking. And then all of a sudden, he just wound up and he smacked that desk with his yardstick as hard as he could, splintering the yardstick. And we all kind of yelp and scream and look Uh up. And he's like, hey, let's take a break. And (laughs) just wanted to uh, just have some fun. You know, so it was it was very strict, but it was very fun. And he cared so much about us. And I know that he went on to. Uh, teach middle school Spanish uh, after that, after a few years in the elementary realm. And he was, he was a great teacher. Your memories, uh, Taylor, are so vivid and, um, and clear. You could almost, as you're talking, picture yourself in the room there with you. Uh, As you look up to Mr. Blumenfeld, did you say? Blumenthal. Yeah, Blumenthal. There you go. Yeah he'd, yeah, he'd have smacked his yardstick on my desk if I said that. I'm sure. Uh, but uh, I want to um, move on from that. Great stuff there, and go into actually how you, after university, went into teaching. I mean, I, I don't believe you did go into teaching straight away. And, and so, if you could answer that, but also tell us uh, if you were like myself or not, you saw a career in teaching when you were going through school you know like you see these teachers you look up to you maybe wanted to do that when you were older or is it something that came later in your career you know it came later um like i said my initial goal out of university was to work in uh in ministry and to uh come out of university in in the uh and doing uh youth ministry youth work um, just working with kids, I, I enjoyed being with the kids outside of the classroom because I, mm. though I had, I had had a great experience in high school and, and middle school, I know that it was hard for a lot of people. And, you know, I've had family members who's, who did not have the same experiences that I had. And so having that extra support growing up was also really important. And so I wanted to be that right. and had an opportunity to do that. Plus in that job, I could do a lot more, um, different games and, and do different sort of events and trips and stuff to be able to really support kids and, and do that. And so it wasn't until, um, really like I had, my wife and I got married and my wife, uh, at the time was a teacher. She was a special ed teacher, uh, near in Colorado where we lived. And so I was, I was doing work with the church and she was, uh, doing teaching and it wasn't until, you know, I, the economy kind of went sideways 
and her um, her county, which is the same as a school district, uh, put a freeze on on salaries. And so mm. we kind of had a decision to make. And um, the influence of my parents actually came into play because my parents have actually they were the ones that initiated um, the, the idea of moving overseas and moving to China, because at the time they had already been in Shanghai for, uh, I think two years. And so, uh, they start. they threw it out there. My mom, she said, Hey, you could easily find a job at an international school. And, you know, my wife's name is Stacia with Stacia's experience. And then with, you know, with what you do, I think there are schools that would take both of you as, as teachers. And so that kind of opened the door to what came next, which was moving into the international realm. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, going into those, we went through different interviews. I think we were with the, the Schroll company, but before it was, you know, international school services or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, we were looking at different schools. We were looking at different locations and areas. And, you know, it's one of those things. And I think that we all have that moment where, you know, you want to become independent of your parents. And, you know, when parents give you advice, you're like, okay, yeah, I know, but I can figure this out on my own. And I remember that how, when we started this down this path of, okay, let's look internationally. My mom had said, well, Hey, check out, um, ICS in Hong Kong. And we were like, okay, yeah, whatever. I don't know. We'll do that one. Lo and behold, ICS is the one that, that calls us. And, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, really is interested in my wife to become the uh, student services teacher for the secondary school. And then, um, you know, they started asking questions about ICS is the International Christian School in Hong Kong and uh, asking questions about what I was doing with the church. And, and finally, my wife was like, would you just like to talk to my husband? Yeah. And so they were they were they were asking me just about what I had done, my experiences, what my degree was in. Um you know, and things like that. And, and then they came and they said, well, would you be interested in actually teaching a, uh, religion class? Would you be interested in teaching middle school religion? And I said, well, yeah, absolutely. I would totally do that because, um, you know, for those who, who, who don't know, if you want to work international, it's better to have a couple than to have, you know, to try and do it with a, with an individual, with a single spouse. So, uh, that actually, that made us much more marketable and so then when, when we were we were hired by ICS, um, I remember the morning getting the getting the contract in the email and turning to my wife and being like, you remember how we thought we were going overseas? Well, we're going. It's here. We're it's real. And that's when that holy crap moment hits and you're just like, oh no. Um, but then it was funny after that having conversations with the the middle school principals because um we'd Skype with them after kind of like the post hire hiring interview and He's like, okay, so we've got you lined up for religion. And he's like, but I, I had a question. How do you feel about math? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, what are we what are we talking about here? Are we talking calculus? We talking algebra? And he's <laughs> like, well, we're talking algebra. It's like, you know, I was pretty good at math in high school, and I did well in, in college. I think I could handle algebra one. He's like, great, that works. We're going to have you lined up to have one class, one prep of of algebra one, eighth grade algebra one. I said, okay. Perfect. And so I asked him some questions about Algebra 1, and then uh, he was like, okay, so I have another question. How do you feel about PE? <laughs> I was like, well, I'm athletic, and you know, my degree does kind of go in that direction a little bit, so I can I could do that too, no problem. And um, 
later on though, before we moved, the master schedule came out and uh, they had hired another, they were able to hire another PE teacher. So I didn't actually end up having to teach <laughs> PE, but going into my first, uh, my first year of actual classroom teaching, I had uh, uh, eighth grade religion and eighth grade um, math, algebra one. So, but thankfully algebra one was a team taught. So I had a class and then the teacher across the hall had, had a class as well. So we were, we were pretty settled. I was able to, she was able to help me kind of limp along the way for that first year when it came to the, to the algebra. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that kind of just chronicles how I got to the classroom, right? It wasn't, it wasn't the plan, but you know, sometimes our, our best laid plans, uh, just are end up being dead ends and we go another direction and, and it opens a whole new, a whole new door of experiences and opportunities. Mm, true, true that. Well, so when was that that you arrived in Hong Kong? So we we arrived the fall of 2011. Is was okay. our first year. That J- July of 2011 is when we moved over there. And out of interest, your you said your folks, your mum and dad, were there for two years in Shanghai, I believe. What what were they? Yes. What, what were they up to, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, they've been actually since 2000, I think they went the fall of 2007, uh, they moved to Shanghai, and they've been at the Shanghai American School ever since, hmm. and this is actually their final year there. They've, oh. they've been there for, for that ah. long, and, and it's time to, time to retire and come back to the States. I think the grandbabies kind of have an influence on that, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, they've been at the Shanghai American School. Uh, the Pudong campus for for this this whole time. Oh wow, that's a, that's a great story. So yeah, a real teaching teaching family, Taylor. Uh, when you were yeah. in Hong Kong, did you? I mean, your classroom that you were doing religious studies in was it made up? Of, was it an international? You know, lots of different nationalities, or was it mostly um, what you call international Hong Kong uh, local students? Yeah, it was a good mix. I think uh-huh. about. Um, you know, I think about what was the, the statistic? I think about 80 percent, 75 to 80 percent of the students were North American passport holders. So they were they right. had a passport from the United States or Canada. And then the rest were from the rest of the world in Hong Kong. Um, but the the demographics of the school were significantly 90 percent, 92 percent Asian uh, and then the rest international from there. So, um, you know, lots of North American, uh, North, North Americans in the classroom, but a lot of international influences as well, which was very cool. As it was your, as you were saying, your first real uh, forage into teaching in the classroom when you hit Hong Kong. Can't really talk about, you know, comparing it perhaps to, to back home uh, in the States. But in terms of going there, you know, completely different place, China, even Hong Kong um from yeah. where you were any what were the major chat the challenges or the major challenge that you found uh, in the classroom or you know even life um in uh, in, yeah. in asia well it was just the, my wife and i and you know we knew that it was going to be a cultural shock we had um in De- uh, december of 2010 we had gone to shanghai to visit my folks and to get a feel of it because we were still yeah. in that mix we had not been hired yet so we were like let's go we had saved the money to go and visit them over christmas break and so we went and we were able to do the touring around and then we lived with them you know we were there for two weeks and we said well could we do this is this possible and i think after being in shanghai seeing their experience we were like yeah i think we could 
we could do this. We can, we're flexible enough and worst comes to worst and we can, we can do anything for two years, you know, mm-hmm. and that, cause that was the typical contract. And so getting there, it was, it was great, great transition team. You know, the funniest thing is that the, the, the most stressful part of going into that job, the move was fine. The people were fine, you know, transitioning to, uh, the food was, was, you know, I had one shock. We were eating, um, at a Korean place and it was, like a bulgogi, and I was like, "Is this? Is this? Is this my life now? Rice and and whatever they put on the rice." And but that quickly passed because it was it was it was so good, and we were able to. We had some great mentors, uh, mentor families that kind of just showed us the ropes and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But the the most stressful part, you know, was not in the classroom. I was happy. I was. I told my wife it was. I was like, I just can't wait to get into the classroom and get to know the kids because yeah. that. That's my that's my comfort zone. I can do that. But it was all the teacher lingo. It was going into that that first welcome PD session, professional development session where they're talking about standards and they're talking about, you know, expectations and all this other stuff. And I sat there and I told my wife, I was like, I'm freaking out. I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) And she had an idea because she'd been teaching for, um, you know, six years before that. And so she kind of helped me limp through it. And then I was talking with uh, another first year in Hong Kong. He had taught uh, in other places. And I was like, do you understand what they're talking about? And he's like, a little, but this is all new to me too. So you're not alone on this. So that was comforting too, just be able to have uh, some partners in crime that just kind of, we just floated along with it. And uh, my principal was great, uh, Brian Thompson. He was uh, just awesome. He, was ch- he would check in on me. He was very just... Um, able to connect he had been at the school for 13 years at that point uh-huh. and just was able to really help the transition along as far as the teacher lingo went and like i said once school started and the kids showed up that's when the fun began and it was it was really easy to get into the mix of just the curriculum and, and things like that i did I had a lot of freedom within that um to to bring in some extra ideas and stuff so it was it was cool it was a good mixture of classroom teaching but then also what i had done uh, before in the ministry realm. That segues, I, I think, Taylor, nicely into perhaps, if I'm right in saying, why you then connected into doing the Teach Now program, uh, where you learn, obviously, a lot about those kind of things, standards, expectations. Is that then, you know, you were there teaching for the first year and you kind of came across Teach Now? How did that work? Because you were the inaugural cohort, weren't you, for Teach Now, the first ever international First online ever. yeah yes yes so uh i had proposed um a initially at for the school i had proposed a job um uh for to be like a dean of of student ministries um kind of that role um i proposed that to the um the dean of curriculum and instruction and he liked the idea went to the headmaster the board ultimately didn't pass it because I was, I was ultimately thinking, I was like, I need to gain more experience in some in in ministry. I felt like so that I could, when the time came for us to move back, I could have experience to go back to and have a job to go back to hmm. uh, in the United States. And when that one flubbed, and it just it just fell through, they didn't want the funding, they didn't want to head in that direction. Uh, I was like, okay, now what am I supposed to do? I, you know, I can teach here. It's legal for me to teach in Hong Kong, but I can't do anything in the United States as far as the classroom goes. So I started searching and I stumbled upon Teach Now. And it, it's 
original website, you know, and Emily might correct me on this uh, if she ever comes back on your podcast, she can, uh, <laughs> you know, challenge this. But I, I remember it, the initial website being one to help. It just was a, a, col- a collection of um, how to get alternative certifications in each state. You know, so in, in the United States, there are programs where second career people can get a teaching license if you are experienced in certain things and you come in as what's called an alternative certification. So you go in and if you, you have to go into the teacher pool, you have to get hired, uh, but you're competing with other licensed teachers. And then you have a one year probation where you're mentored and, and you know, they're, they watch you pretty closely before you then uh, are given that, you know, full contract of a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had reached out to Emily, who was connected to that website. I just said, hey, do you have anything to license American teachers who are international? And she wrote back and said, well, we're working on something. Uh, we'll let you know. And it should be happening uh, later in the fall. And mm-hmm. or it'll, it'll be happening soon. And so um, then didn't really hear from her. And, and then at the same time, I was still kind of in half mindset of, of still going back into ministry. So I actually started a, um, a, a online class at Denver Seminary uh, doing, doing some more um, ministry work. And so I was doing that online class. And then I got a, uh, an email from Emily saying, this is my number. Call me. And so I, I called her. It was kind of odd because I didn't, you, you know, it was just through email. So I didn't, had no idea who Emily was. And so, you know, I talk, talked to her on the phone. She said, we're going to have this cohort. It's going to start in uh, January and of uh, 2012, 2012, no, uh, maybe 2013, I, 2013. Yeah, 2013. Yeah. And, uh, and we're, we're going to, uh, we're going to do this and it, you can get your license. And I said, let me talk to my wife. And, uh, but then came back and said, yeah, I think we can double it up and, and we can do it. And so, um, you know, I can always connect my time with teach now with my daughter because my daughter was born, uh, in November of 2012. And then in that January of 2013 is when, uh, when teach now started and, and, uh, Emily always, every time I am on the phone with her, she's like, how's, how are your girls? I remember, uh, I remember your oldest just being there on camera with you sometimes in those VCs. And it was so wonderful to watch her grow and, and just, and then obviously through social media, we're still connected. And she's like, I can't believe how your family has grown and the adventures you've been on. So, um, yeah, so it was, and my daughter's seven, so it was seven years ago that uh, we went into that inaugural cohort of, of Teach Now. So it was right. it was quite a, a connection, you know, kind of just the right doors open and the right yeah, connections exactly. happened, and and that just kind of led into being a uh, being able to get my certification and and get that experience because I guarantee you, because you know teach that certification program is nine months, and so coming starting in January we finished in. Um, you know, December, late, late, late November, early December, uh, with the clinical stuff, but coming into that, uh, fall professional development in July, I was ready. Then I was confident coming back from all the work that I'd done with teach now and everything made sense. Formative and summative assessments was not an enigma to me anymore. (laughs) I knew what those were. And so I was ready to go. Uh, I I mean, that's brilliant. So right from the start that you were with teach now and, and that, 
I guess, is you built the relationship with the team in Washington to then move on later, Taylor, into actually becoming one of the coordinators for one of their eight modules, right? Well, you know, it, it not I wouldn't call it coordinator. I'm an instructor. Um, the uh, the way it went, I finished uh, with Teach Now with that cohort. I, I did my clinical work and and got all that completed. And Emily reached out and said, "It's been so much fun having you here. I think that you'd be an excellent instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, will you come on and be an instructor for us? Because we're going to start opening up more." Um, more cohorts and we're going to need some instructors to do this. And she talked about what it would look like and, and, you know, and I said, yes, absolutely. You know, and in the, I just, again, I just had the first child and, and was looking at just life and trying to figure out ways of maybe having uh, my wife stay at home eventually one day. And so I was like any sort of side gig I could get, I was Mm -hmm. ready for. And so, uh, so I jumped in and I was, uh, it was really cool to be, you know, just Emily and uh, Donna Golnick was there, and we had one other instructor that were kind of our first three that we were there and talking through how the process works and things like that. So from there, from then on, it was after that first inaugural cohort, that was the only one I had, only level of cohorts I had never taught in. Everything else from then on, I've been, uh, I've been with Teach Now as an instructor. And then later on, and we, I don't know if you want to talk about this now, but um, just this past, actually a year ago, um, I was approached by uh, Janet Stokes and uh, the Teach Now team to design and write uh, the Masters of Educational Technology program. And mm-hmm. so um, that's the only extra thing that's been, I've been, I mean, you, as an instructor, you're able to speak into the different modules and, and they've asked for, they've, they're completely different uh, in as far as different uh, tools that are being used and some of the actual activities from when I went through it um, you know, seven years ago, but, uh, the, all of it, the structure is still the same. And then, so I was able to speak through that, through all those modules that I taught and then, or, and still teach, but then also had the opportunity to build this, this masters of educational technology. Um, but that had, that was kind of, um, you know, out of order teach now inspired me to, um, after finishing it really look into the realm of, bringing technology into the classroom and uh, between my teach now experience and then my principal came in and said, what would you do with a classroom set of iPads that kind of, you know, opened my curiosity, dove into it. And immediately, um, after actually, um, yeah, immediately after, um, completing teach now, I enrolled and was, uh, to get my master's of educational technology with, uh, Boise state university online. And okay. so then I did that while being an, an instructor for Teach Now, while teaching uh, in Hong Kong and while having a, then a second child along the way and, and, and things like that. So it was a busy, busy time, but um, it was good. And it, it really opened up, you know, teaching was my second career. It opened up doors for my, I call it my third career uh, in moving into technology coaching and, and this realm that I'm now currently in. Are you looking to further your career in education? Teach Now offers a convenient online teacher preparation and master's degree program completed anywhere in the world. Reach Now for Teach Now. 
Ain't no time for defeat now. Teachers get off your seats now. Future generations need you now. Work with people all over the world in a collaborative, activity-based teaching environment. To learn more, visit teach-now.edu. Expertise that is really outside of the box. For the listeners, there's there's eight core modules in total for the actual Teach Now uh, uh, teacher preparation program, right, Taylor? And within those yes. eight... You have, you know, you have the program orientation, the culture of schooling, uh, the learner and learning in the digital age. You've got managing the learning environment, student assessments. There's your formative and summative stuff. Planning yep, and preparation right. for learning, in introduction to the clinical practice, uh, and then obviously you have the the practical where you work in a in a school, so to speak, the teaching practice and proficiency. Out of those ones, because you you've delved into all of them as an instructor, what what's the one yeah. that you found the most that resonates with you in terms of most interest? or you know you you enjoy doing the most uh you know i with with my experience in ed tech three has always been kind of the one they've put me in the most right yeah learner uh, module three learning, yeah the digital age yeah. yeah yeah just just because of being able to that one really in the process of the the program kind of module two when you're getting into the culture of schooling and things like that it's still very new for the uh for the candidates and they're still trying to figure things out of what is this online learning environment looking like. And so coming into three, they, they kind of come in thinking, where, where am I at? What am I doing? And so it's really cool to be able to sit with them and say, look, the way that you are learning right now is completely different from anything you've ever done before. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to look at how this learning could be really effective for you in your classroom. And um, really not focusing on the tools necessarily, but focusing on the opportunities that different technologies can offer within the classroom. Um, and so module three is the one that I've taught the most. Um, but I enjoy, you know, I enjoy all of them. I enjoy um, the assessment one purely because uh, the, the more time that I do what I do now, the more important data formative data really is is becoming and mm-hmm. it's something that even when I was teaching I did not realize and so I really like to do the um, assessment module because I like to speak into the importance of that data and to be able to uh, brainstorm different ideas on how to collect and use the data for the classroom to create more of that personalized learning experience for the kids mm-hmm. um, and then I I really enjoy uh, being in module eight as well, modules, it's module seven and eight typically are, are connected when you're an instructor, uh, cause you prepare for the clinical practice and then you're, you're doing the clinical practice because, uh, you get to see them, the, the, the teachers teach and you get mm-hmm. to speak into that as well. And you get to have the experiences with them and, um, you know, going through those nine months, they grow, they build this, this relationship, this, this connection. And as an instructor, when you're with them in modules, you know, one through six, you know, you get to know them a little, you have a little experience with them, but you're, you know, you're with them at most maybe six times if you're in a, one of the bigger modules. Mm-hmm. But then when you're with them for, you know, 14 weeks, uh, you get to know them and you get to see them in action and you get to speak into it and you get to see them at their highs and you get to help lift them in their lows and, and you get to build those good connections uh, with them as you're, as you're working with them through those, those clinical experiences, which is really cool. 
I mean, talking about the clinical, for those listeners out there now who who, who are in it, perhaps, and, and maybe going to be entering into the clinical, where they work in a, you know, a real classroom environment, and they do videos of themselves, you know, towards the standards that you have to, that you have to obviously achieve uh, to, in the end, get the license, Taylor. Do you have a major tip that you give them out there, just a, a one golden nugget for the clinical? Yeah, I think that it would be get comfortable being on video. And, (laughs) um, you know, and there are opportunities throughout modules one through six where there's some of that 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 is happening. But, you know, it's inevitable. That's a central core piece of of how you can complete the certification program and, and do teach now is that you need to learn how to video yourself and have some light um experience in editing video and not in the sense of trying to do this cinematic event but just in the idea of being able to add some words here and there take a 45 minute video and cut it down to 20 minutes Mm -hmm. still keeping all the good pieces that you want that show you that you're you're uh completing the standards of the week um but video is the big the big piece getting comfortable with with creating being on camera and um and being able to to then upload a video to YouTube or to Vimeo or wherever it needs to go and and allow for for others to to watch it and it's 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 interesting because video is is vulnerable right as mm-hmm. much as we are in a video age um, seeing yourself on video hearing your voice it's always fun the the after the first week they do that there's a first baseline video it's kind of the let's do this video and see just how it goes. Um, and then do a reflection on it. And a lot of times I've had candidates come back and say, I didn't realize I talked so loud or I didn't realize <laughs> that I, I, uh, I, my attitude just changes so quick or that I didn't realize how quiet I was or I don't like the sound of my own voice or mm-hmm. things yeah. like that because there's not a lot of experience of them doing a video. And so video is, is a big it's a big part of it. It's something that can be stressful for candidates coming into that clinical experience. And so if there is one thing to practice before you get there, it would be get pretty proficient with how you're going to do your videos. Yeah. And maybe a little baby step towards that listeners would be to do a podcast and get used to your your voice. Uh, That took me some time. Uh, But but yeah, brilliant. That's that's great. That really resonates. And I couldn't agree more actually with someone who's who's been through that uh, clinical too. With the technology, because clearly doing videos, cutting them, seeing yourself in it, you're using technology. But being someone whose expertise is in that, and you know, you've been in the classroom for those many years in Hong Kong, Taylor, how's, how's it been in terms of an experience as an instructor or a teacher moving from you know, a physical environment where you can really see, uh, you, you know, touch, well, touch the kids, but you know, in the same room as physical yeah. environment as them, to then move into yeah. a virtual one. How, how is that for you? Do you, do you like it as much? You know, what, what, how does it float your boat as much being kind of on a computer, speaking to your, you know, using Zoom or whatever you use at Teach Now? Do you like it as much? How does that go with you? Yeah, I think one, you know, the, the students are different, right? <clears throat> adults, teaching adults is a little different than, true, than eighth true. graders in some way. So, you know, I can't imagine hurting 30 eighth graders in Zoom. I don't think that, that that's, that's possible uh, in, in there. I don't know how many of them would zone out on Minecraft or YouTube while I'm trying to tell them something. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to use uh, that, wouldn't you, to teach? You right, exactly. You'd have to, have to just implement it in that our classroom <laughs> is in Minecraft or something yes. like that, which is, I've seen, which I've seen, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, 
so I think the coolest part I think about Teach Now is the fact that we do get to meet face to face with our uh, candidates or as a candidate with your cohort weekly. Um, I had, you know, I had gotten, I got my master's fully online um, and through Boise State, but there was never an element that was like that. It was always discussion boards, um, right, you yeah. know, or collaborating through email and Google Old Docs school. and things like that. Um, and even my online course that I took in Denver Seminary, same thing. Everything was discussion boards. So the fact that you're able to meet face to face, you're able to see the people you're working with, you're able to meet them. Um, you can, you know, build connections as you slowly get to know them over time. Um, it's it's awesome to be able to do that, and that's that's the difference. I think that if I was just an if I was an online teacher, I would still, I think, enjoy it, but it wouldn't have as much enjoyment if it, all of I was doing was reading discussion posts and grading activities. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, yeah. it's it's that face to face element adds a relationship piece that that is is an awesome connection. And I've had the opportunity too to meet um, <clears throat> some of the candidates that I've taught over the years. And sometimes they were actually my uh, colleagues at the school that I was teaching at. And so <laughs> it's been it's been neat to to do that. I remember in Hong Kong, uh, our school was hosting a a conference for ACSI, and I got an email um, from this guy, and he was like, "Hey, uh, I don't know if you remember me, but I was in your cohort at this time, and I'm going to be at the conference. I can't wait to connect and and meet with you." And it was just really neat to to meet him in person and and have just talk about how Teach Now had affected his his pathway of, of his career. And and then he had actually also moved into a, a, the realm of educational technology. So we were able to collaborate there and, and talk about different things as well. So it's been really neat to to have those connections and to uh, be able to just be face-to-face in, in that piece. I think that's that's the biggest important piece is just being able to see see everybody and to, to get to know them. Right, Taylor. Let's put all this aside and get into the nitty gritty, because as you said earlier, <laughs> you wrote, you teach the Masters of Education Technology through Teach Now yes. across the world to many yes. students wanting to get their Masters. Education technology then sounds very technological, clearly. What does it involve? Because it's a very broad kind of couple of words. Absolutely. It is. It's a it can be. It can be misunderstood and it can mm. be misconstrued in a lot of ways, or it can be defined in a lot of ways. Um, I I always define it out as I'm not the guy who comes in to help you fix your printer or to actually <laughs> do the, the nuts and bolts of your computer and actually fix it when it's broken. I am the learning guy. I am the one who's coming in to help you to make your learning experiences uh just have a little more, uh-huh. you know, um, Michael Fullen is a, an educator and he, he has a quote that says, um, you know, pedagogy is the driver. Technology is the accelerator. Mm-hmm. And meaning that if your accelerator is busted and you're only able to go really slow, you can, you're still on pedagogy. You can still do that lesson. The Wi-Fi cuts out. You can still, you're a teacher. You can do, you can teach the lesson. You can figure it out. But if you have the opportunity and you have the means to bring in different strategic ideas and tools, it can create immense opportunity for your students to have greater understanding, deeper learning. Um, I can go both ways. Deeper learning, higher order thinking, wherever you want to go uh, when it comes to their their learning experiences. And so mm-hmm. 
educational te- educational technology is just kind of taking that idea of innovation and putting it into the classroom. If innovation is doing something new or better, then educational technology is the means to get there uh, within the classroom where where it's available. Because there are, you know, I've mm, I've had yeah. candidates who are in places that they don't have either they don't have the the technology available or their school doesn't allow for it to happen. And so the first thing that I tell them is is that well, if you can get your hands on some duct tape and some cardboard we can be innovative. It doesn't always have to be uh, a, a, an app or a tool. So I think it's a whole mindset, I think. It's not just one thing. You know, yeah. Some would say educational technology is about how to use apps and iPads in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's part of it. But uh, going through the, if you go through the Masters of, of Educational Technology with Teach Now, it's partially learning about those apps but it's partially about becoming a professional development expert. It's about learning how to be an instructional coach. It's about looking at not only the techno, be, having some experience liaisoning with the IT side of your building, seeing what the infrastructure is and, and what could, could, it could handle, but also looking at what do the teachers want and need. Uh, my colleague here in Fort Worth, she says the best way to describe what she does as uh, essentially a, 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 what we call them digital learning specialists, but an instructional technology expert or an ed tech coach. Um, she's, she says, I'm a teacher, but I just have more time. Um, <laughs> and so we're the ones that are able, that are able to sit down with you as a, as a teacher and you say, well, I'd really like to integrate some more gamification into this classroom or into this, coming, into this lesson that I have coming up, and, but I don't know how. And I can say, well, let me work on some ideas, and then we can come back, we can collaborate, we can create this experience for your kids together. So they support the content. They're the content experts. I'm going to help kind of remarket it or mm-hmm. make it fit into what the goal is. And then we're going to create this experience for the kids that's going to be really memorable. Um, and again, a lot, of it's, a lot of it does deal on the digital side. But a lot of it is just coming in with a different perspective or a different idea than what's always been done. Yeah, and I think that's a great point that you make there because it's almost like a, a partnership. You're like now you're the secondary coordinator of digital learning, right, for the school in in, in Fort Worth, Texas. And you know, yes. teachers maybe they've been teachers for many years, and I won't say stuck in their ways, but they have their program that they that they use, and it works. And now, of course, we have technology coming along and, and it's coming into many classrooms now and it's it's quicker and it's easier and it's more free than it's ever been. But it's just yep. nice to have someone like you, that coach, to sit down and to say, well, look, you know, that's what you're doing last year. We can still do that, but let's snazz it up. I don't think gives it enough credit, really, to what you're suggesting you right. do. But that's the way it's got to be. And, you know, I, I read through some of your stuff. You also help in the makerspace designing. I have experience of that that went into a, an international school here. And the, the person, I added the Menico, we did a good three-part series on how he, how he opened it and launched it, got the budget for it. And then, most yeah. importantly, which is what you're doing technology-wise, is how to integrate and get the teachers on board because that's absolutely key, isn't it? There's no point one person yes. doing it. It's just it's got to be uh, sustainable. So yeah, you you're doing makerspace and you're also incorporating stuff that they're already doing, as you said. So it, it, really great. I would love. Uh, I've, I'm going to say to my researchers, we're going to have to get you back on Taylor because I, I, I think talking about this it could go on for another podcast. 
uh, quite frankly, because uh, I'd really love to delve down into a few little things that you've said today and go more into them. But I know time is coming to an end for this. And, uh, and so what I want to do is I'll tell you quickly my situation at the school. And I'm coming to the end of my contract. And one of the big reasons that I'm not going to be renewing it is because at no point am I allowed or I have any facility tailor to take my class to a computer. Now, again, mm. you can say, well, mm. you can use duct tape, cardboard, whatever. Well, wonderful. <laughs> we don't even have a maker space or we have a steam room. It's called steam, but there's nothing in it um, except yeah. uh, <laughs> just some boxes of, uh, of, of things. We don't need to go into that. But my point is it, it's so key now that our kids are not only needing to do it because that's going to be the job place and, and what they're going to be using as tools when they're older to create with, but kids love it. They love yeah. using technology. So all those teachers yeah. out there that aren't on board with this, um, and I understand if they haven't got the resources like I have, but if they do and they have a, a, a tailor at the end of the room who's doing this kind of stuff, have a conversation with them because it can open your mind and really your eyes to giving the students just a much bigger, holistic, wonderful learning experience. So I just absolutely love this, what you're what you're doing. And um, I want to go just quickly, give me a few tidbits yeah. of you know, if you were a restaurant and a menu and you, you come into a school, into a classroom, someone like myself, for example, who's pretty, pretty. Uh, you know, au fait with tech. I, I'm, I'm pretty open to it. Obviously, in the classroom at the moment, I don't have much access to it, but I would love yeah. to. If I met someone like you, I'd say, look, what were the what were the three big things that you could say we sh- I should be doing, Taylor? You've mentioned iPads, um, so I don't know if you're going to bring that in. But I'd also was, was thinking how you were talking about the, the the formative assessment, how you're actually using that data in a numerical quantitative sense. I don't know if you're using a piece of technology yeah. there. So, you know, you've got these data on the kids so you can really personalize how they're progressing. Uh, it, it, yeah. What would be your like, I don't know if it's free, but a few things that you would definitely implement into that classroom if the resources and the budget was there. Yeah. So what, uh, what grade do you teach? So I'm a grade three teacher, yeah, at the moment, elementary. Perfect. Yeah. So in your scenario, where you don't really have uh, you know, the technology that's available, I'm going to assume that you have a smartphone. Yeah. Yeah. So clickers would be the first thing that I would, I would uh, introduce to your class, just to, again, get that formative assessment. It's a tool that all you need is one device, your smartphone. Right. And... What you would do, what you do is you enter in your uh, your students' um, names onto the roster online. You sign up, and it's free. And and what okay. they what Plickers does is is it gives you QR codes uh, that you print out, and there's one for every kid. And what happens is is that you would ask a series of questions. You'd have them entered into the the Plickers site, mm-hmm. and you'd put them up. Um, and even if it's on your computer or whatever device you have, or you're just asking the questions. The kids hold up uh, the, the, the QR codes, and based on whatever side is up, that answers A, B, C, or D. So there's four sides to the square, so they turn it to make sure that their side is the correct one. Uh-huh. And then you use your phone to scan the whole room, and you'll see on your phone as it is scanning that it's collecting the data and the answers from every kid. Uh, and you'll see it pop up name by name. And so then there, boom, you've got your, your, your data for whatever you're working on in that case plus it's a lot of fun for the kids to be able to turn and hold it up and have that experience and if you have the ability to project onto a projector or something like that you can put the 
um, if you, you could create a game out of it and put the scoreboard up and you can show them really that how you're collecting the data, but then you can also have those, the, the metacognitive conversations with them. So you can mm -hmm. see the results that 20% thought that the answer was A, while 60% thought it was B and, you know, so on and so forth. We can ask that, okay, explain to me why you chose A. Those of you who chose A, because you have little names, you, know, you can know exactly who chose A. Tell me why you chose A. Well, I chose it because of X, Y, and Z. Okay, those mm -hmm. of you who didn't choose A, did that change your mind? Mm -hmm. Would you change your mind to A? Okay, some of you did. Well, why? And then, you, so you can talk about the, the data. It's not just about collecting the data. It's about talking about it. Yeah. And then it's about knowing what's, what's happening after that. So in that, you know, that would be one piece that you can do. And really, the, in, in scenarios like yours where teachers maybe don't have the devices for the kids, you know, starting to think about ways that can just make your life easier. Um, that's, that's where I normally start with a teacher is, is what can I do to train you up to make your life a little easier? Mm -hmm. What could we do to, you know, is it possible for that we can set up a robot to do your, your grading for you on right. some of your things? Is it possible for you to uh, cut down on some paper that you have to do for communication pieces with your kids and with your parents? You know, things like that, that if I can make your life a little easier and I can open up some brain space for you, then it can open up some ideas of, of other things that you can do with your kids. Um, I, had a, I had a teacher here in, in Texas who works for a different, he's a friend, and as we were talking, he was like, how can you justify throwing technology in front of students when it's so distracting and it can cause so much disruption in a classroom? And I said, well, the first step is not me with your kids, it's me with you. And opening up an opportunity for you to have, make life easier for you so that we're working. Eric Schinniger, who's a principal and, and speaker, he says, work smarter, not harder, right? I want to I create an opportunity for you to work smarter, not harder, so that then we can create an opportunity for your students to work harder. They're the ones learning, so they should be the ones doing the hard work. The teachers shouldn't have to do that. So we're going to create opportunities. We're going to innovate to make those things happen uh, moving forward. So... Clickers would be my one that I would I would suggest for you at first, but then we could dive. I could keep going for hours and hours. So <laughs> maybe next time. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to just finish the pod now by your secretary coordinator digital learning in the US. That just sounds a real fab uh, job for you, Taylor. It's just absolutely a perfect meld, right? And um, I, but moving from what you were doing in Hong Kong uh, to what to what you're doing in Texas now. Do you miss anything about, you know, being back in Asia? Absolutely. Absolutely. We've <laughs> been here in, in Texas for, uh, for three years, and it was where we were supposed to be. You know, it was right after um, my son was born. And, I mean, you know this probably better than I do with, with your kids, but <laughs> we were living, we were in an 800-square-foot flat, and uh, our son was born. That put us at three kids, and... Um, you know, we were, we were at kind of an impasse. We had to decide because my wife had actually been staying home with our kids, um, for that last contract that I had. So that final two years we were there, she was able to stay home. And so we were at, at we had to make a choice because we were going to need more space. And it was either, uh, we decided to just let's, let's go back to the U S let's find a job in the U S so we can have some more space and spread out a little bit, see what opportunities are there. Or, um, you know, my wife might had to have had to go back to work so that we could get um, a nanny to 
and 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 a, a larger flat to live in. And so, you know, we we also wanted to you know go back to kind of our home and and have our kids experience having a yard and and you know being able to different experiences that are here that we had when we were kids. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it was a hard decision to make, but we really felt like the right doors were opened for us and literally applied to jobs across the United States and just ended up here, um, in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, you know, shout out to my district. It's actually called, uh, we are Birdville independent school district, but there is no Birdville town. We have five or six different cities that we serve. So it's cool. But, um, yeah, it was, it was the right choice, but we miss a lot of, you know, we miss the food, we miss the culture, we miss the, uh, we miss having Chinese New Year as a break. Uh, we miss, uh, you know, the just the opportunities for travel uh, and seeing the different parts of the world, you know, and things like that. So I don't think that we are done with being international. I think it's just we are taking uh, a, a time to be here in the United States. But I think that we will be looking um, in the future to go back one day. So uh, it was just, it was, it was a forming experience for my wife and I, three of our four kids were born there. I'm going to have to tell my daughter who is going to, who is due in April, you know, well, your siblings, they were born in a country called Hong Kong and you, you were born in a country called Texas. <laughs> and so just kind of give her that, that uniqueness about her. So, um, yeah, there was, there's a lot of stuff that we do miss, but there's a lot of stuff here that we're really enjoying. And for me and in my career and in growing, it's been really cool to just have some different opportunities um, with different ideas, being at a different, going from being a technology coach who's working primarily in the classroom to being a district administrator who's working with the leadership and really throwing out ideas that can influence a lot of teachers is really cool uh, as well. And it's been an awesome opportunity that I've really, really enjoyed and I'm thankful for. So um, we're just trucking right along here and and we'll see what happens in the future. If, if my past says anything, it's we're not in one place for very long. <laughs> yeah, see what opens up. I mean, this has been a, a fantastic podcast, Taylor. I really appreciate your time and coming on. Real load of good stuff there. As I said, hopefully in the future, China Dedication have you back on and, and go much more into detail with. If you want to reach out with, uh, with Taylor listeners, I will put his contact details on the show notes like we do to most of our um, educational experts all the best for the birth of your next baby and as i said before really look forward to having you on sometime in the future this is china jedi people if you're an english-speaking teacher from anywhere in the world and you have a bachelor's degree but need an official and accredited teaching license to get a job get a visa to teach abroad or most importantly to learn all those things you wish you knew before you stood in front of 30 plus students then reach now to teach now and secure a professional u.s district of columbia license in as little as nine months online in no time low cost high quality teach now get in the game Immediately receive a $100 discount of your tuition by signing up to the Teach Now program by the link www.teach-now.edu forward slash China Jedi. May the smile be with you.